everyone and welcome to another episode of I Hope I Get It, I'm Taryn Stane. Now you all know I'm a big fan of supporting small businesses so this week our sponsor is Swifty 13 Kiara, an online store where Kiara creates art inspired by Taylor Swift. Kiara says I've loved Taylor and creating for as long as I can remember and opening this store seems so fitting to bring my two loves together. Kiara also creates commission pieces so feel free to contact her via email swifty13kiara.art at gmail.com that's swifty13kiara kiara spelled k-i-a-r-a dot art at gmail.com for any inquiries or questions you can find the store on etsy and on instagram by typing in swifty13kiara or one word kiara offers worldwide shipping so no matter where you are in the world if you're a swifty like i am you can own a gorgeous piece of Taylor-inspired art. Also, if you use the code THANKYOU13, you will get 13% off your purchase. It's fitting that our sponsor this week is Taylor Swift-inspired because this week's guest is a fellow Swifty. This week I'm joined by Macon Prickett. Macon is a New York City-based actor, singer and musical theatre enthusiast. Macon was last seen touring the country in TheatreWorks USA's 2020 tour of the beloved children's musical Click Clack Moo. Macon was last seen touring the country in TheatreWorks USA's 2020 tour of the beloved children's musical Click Clack Moo. Macon made his New York City stage debut in the Fifth Floor Theatre Company's 2018 production of Bubble Boy. He's also appeared on, on cabaret stages throughout Manhattan, such as The Duplex, The Laurie Beachman, and Don't Tell Mama. Originally from Alabama and a recent graduate of Jacksonville State University, some of Macon's credits include The Phantom of the Opera, Carousel, A Year with Frog and Toad, and James and the Giant Peach. Macon, my darling, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you. This is so great. Um, our friendship is like only a few a few months old, you know? It's, she is a mere babe, this friendship. Thank you to Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan. Shout out to those two who actually We owe them together. everything. We Absolutely. owe them everything. They brought us together with their, what was it, Tuesday, Thursday, and now it's next year, some year, and it's just, you know, it's not And a what a year it's been. It has, it's been quite something. <laughs> so I'm so excited to speak to you. Um, as I mentioned in your bio, um, you have done some pretty cool things. And I wanted to ask, the first question I wanted to ask was about Bubble Boy. Yes. Tell me about that audition process for you, how you got involved with it. Tell me everything. Give me the tea. Okay, absolutely. So Bubble Boy was... I saw the audition post on Playbill, like mm -hmm. I see most everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I had no idea what it was about. I knew there was a movie. Yeah. I knew nothing about it. I just knew that it was an audition. It was for a local theater company. Um, because I really wanted to, especially after moving here, performing in New York City was something I was very passionate about. Right. And like we could definitely talk more about that later, but <clears throat> staying in the city as much as possible and being able to perform here, uh, I need, I needed, that's what I needed. Mm -hmm. So I saw the, saw the posting. I was, you know, non-equity. It was, it was not an equity job. I went to the audition 
I listened to none of the score, really. I just read a few breakdowns, uh -huh. um, which I do not advise. Always have an idea of what you're auditioning for. Um, I think I'm going to be the worst person to have on this. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you all what not to do. Um, so I sang, a, you know, my basic, I think, 32 bar cut. I... Um, did okay. I mean, there have been better auditions. There have been worse. I felt very comfortable in the room. It, it was a room, a very small room. You know, some of these theater companies, they don't got that budget, you know, so they got to rent that small room at Ripley Greer or wherever they are. And, um, you know, there were like six people behind the table, which in a small room, you know, like you can go to a giant Broadway audition. They ha have an entire room rented, a massive studio space, mm -hmm. and you have one person at the table. Yeah. And here, this was a tiny little 12 by 8 studio, and there were like six people behind the table. And I was like, oh, my God. But, you know, I did my cut. I said hello. I said goodbye. They were all, they were all attentive. They yeah. were all you know, they were in the moment. No one was on their phone. Everyone was looking up at me, which I, you know, as an actor, we love that. Yeah. We love when that happens because it's just like, thank you. Was yeah. that so hard? So <laughs> I, and I had auditioned for this company before, I think a few months before when they, they had auditions for Spelling Bee and okay. I was called back. So a lot of the faces behind the table were, I did not get the job, but a lot of the faces behind the table were familiar faces. So okay. though I didn't know them by name, they were definitely people I respected and, and real truthfully wanted to work with. Mm. And so I, long story short, I did my cut. It was, um, it was good. It was good enough. I got a call back. Um, I got a few sides for, I think, two different characters, one being the dad, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I'm a young character actor and I tried to deny it, but sometimes we are forced into older <laughs> roles. Um, I look a spry 22. <laughs> and um, I was like, the dad, which actually when I was in Bubble Boy, I was 23. So right I was 24 and I was like oh the dad no um I did not end up playing the dad um but I read for the dad and I read for the role of Mark who was just wait no his name is Sean we'll have to edit that out <laughs> <laughs> I played Sean I act as though I've had this 70-year career. Like, I'm Elaine Stritch. I've been in, like, four shows, and I'm here, like, no, I can't remember which role I played. Is this um, your anyway. Carlisle show? This, <laughs> uh, screw the role, it doesn't matter. you go back to Alabama? <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Oh, please don't ever let me do that. Um, <laughs> biggest fear. Um Anyway, no, I played the role of Sean. Uh, my good friend Ryan ended up playing Mark, and we had the best time. But um, 
I got a call back and uh, this is one of the things I wrote down to talk to you about. Oh, he's got talking points. Let's I have, I have notes. Talking I, points. I have three pages of notes, actually. Just, you know, I like to jot things down. Um, but this is why you always have something interesting on your special skills. And I am such a, you know, actors now I feel are so... Some of them are so by the book, like, oh, no, don't ever lie on your resume. Don't ever put things on your special skills that you can't do. When, you know, if you listen to any of these podcasts with actors who have been in 30 Broadway shows, mm -hmm. they're all like, oh, yeah, I lied about that on my special skills, ended up doing it anyway for the audition, got the role. You know, like Beth Level wasn't much of a dancer, but she sure enough tapped her way into 42nd Street. And that is inspiring to me. Yes. So I... um. <laughs> I have impressions on my resume and they're not all good, but I, <laughs> but I do them. And when I do them, I believe in myself. And of course, like Very the important. first person, right. The first person I have on the impressions is Patty Lapone and Nikki, the director who I adore said, mm, thank you. Like I read two or three of the sides I sang for the dad. After that, she was like, okay, so before you go, um, give us a little patty. Like, what's, what's your best patty LaPone? And I was like, you know, I had, it had been on my resume for years. I had never been asked to do it. And I said, okay, or I thought, okay, well, it's time. And I did it. I gave, I hit them with a little, everything's coming up roses in my best patty LaPone. And I got the show. I got the job. I got it. So, so not saying that got you the job. Good Patty now. <laughs> she's Patty has given me many things in my career thus far. And when we eventually work together, I will be able to thank her in person. But um that was the first gift she gave me this role. <laughs> I'm thoroughly convinced had I not done it and just acted a complete fool, I would not have gotten the role because the role of Sean, I mean he's this dorky nerdy over-the-top character role and that's mm -hmm. I had to prove that and prove that I did and now I'm intrigued who else have you got on that impression list oh I have <laughs> I have Patty I have Bernadette I mean just the two like kind of easy do I have Mandy Patinkin I've really been working on a Mandy Patinkin because I'm a tenor he's a tenor <laughs> and it his is such a specific timbre and there's such a specific timbre in his voice yeah, um, it's, it's like liquid gold it's what it is. but it's that it's also that fast vibrato that mm. oh, you know you know what i'm talking about just yeah. that you know <laughs> like he does it so well it's just listening to you <laughs> oh you know that's what i do um <laughs> i'm so inspired by like um Christina Bianco. I don't know mm -hmm. if you're familiar mm -hmm. with her. Oh my exactly God. exactly who she is. She's brilliant. And mm -hmm. her impressions. And obviously, like now that I've been watching or listening to the pod with Ben and Daniel, Cola Scola, like his yeah. Bernadette is the Bernadette impression by far, without a doubt. And so I think it's just the three of them, though. There are a lot that I play with a lot that I would never actually put on my resume. But those three, I think I could do pretty solid. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, I love that. I, I'm just writing this down. Does impressions. So if I ever need help doing an impression, I'm going to call you. <laughs> Honestly, um, though, I learned to sing by mimicking. That's how I learned to sing. Mm -hmm. And so, like, listening to Broadway cast albums, listening to tenors, 
well, it was women when I was young because my voice is still so high. But when I was growing up, I was like, okay, you're going like mimic ex their exact sound. And if you can do that, you can play this role. And so like, I never had voice lessons until I was in college. Right. And so I was like, you know, all through middle school and high school, especially I was, it was all about mimicking Gavin Krill, mimicking, mm -hmm. you know, when I got a little older, it was mimicking the Corey Cotts and the Jeremy Jordans, because yeah. that's the sound. I wanted that tenor musical theater sound so yeah. badly. Um, I also mentioned in your bio that you, and now you have to give me everything because I don't know anything about this competition. You were a top eight finalist in, and correct me if I'm wrong, a cabaret competition. Yes. And it was called Don't Tell Mama's Next Big Act. Is that right? Yes. Yes. There is a venue in Midtown called Don't Tell Mama. It's in Hell's Kitchen okay. on 40, 46th Street. And they do this competition every summer called uh, Mama's Next Big Act. And I worked at the time at a theater gift shop and my boss was friends with the guy who runs the competition. Okay. And so he was like, oh, you should do this. This is so perfect for you, which I am so not a cabaret performer. Like I want to play a role. Mm -hmm. Like I want to play, I don't want to play me. Yes. So okay. I'm not really interested because also like, let's just cut to the chase. If I have to sit through another cabaret show in New York City about a, a guy who grew up in a small town who moves to New York, follows his dreams, like no one wants to hear that anymore because that's everyone's story. So I feel like at, at a certain it point- It is you, not my story. <laughs> it is not your story. I just, I feel like that, that trope of being that like, I don't know, like- young gay who moves to the city to find mm -hmm. himself gets a little old um and so i don't i don't feel like becoming the next cabaret star is a goal of mine but yeah and fair I, enough you know each to his own exactly and you know i was like sure i'll do this competition like how hard can it be like it's just like singing uh, no 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 <laughs> so the whole point of the competition was to be to find the next big cabaret act at this venue mm -hmm. and you know if you won they would produce an entire show around you okay. and it would be your cabaret show amazing winning prize among other things mm -hmm. but i quickly learned that this wasn't just getting up and performing your best 32 bars every week this was yeah. like no there were challenges you had to really i mean i had to hire i mean i spent so much, okay, not so much money, but I spent so much money trying to get these musical arrangements made, these medleys and mashups made, like these, ins this insane amount of work that it took that I was fully not prepared for. I can't believe I made it to the top eight. So glad I did. But I was um, very challenged by that. It ended up being a great experience. One of my friends was in it with me as well. We had a blast. And we both made it to the top eight and then did not make it to the top, I think, five. So that was the cutting off point for both of us. Um, how long was the duration of the competition? Was it like every week you had to go and do something or? Yes. Okay. It was every week. Um, okay. At first, at first, I want to say it was like Monday and Tuesday, like two nights for the mm -hmm. first like two weeks maybe and then and this took place in the summer starting in july and i think it ended in like september oh it was a time it was a time commitment it okay. was like a month and a half i want to say it was several weeks 
every week there was a different challenge. And, okay. you know, then once it went from like, you know, I think there were 50 the first two weeks, then it was like instantly down to 25, then instantly down to 20. And mm-hmm. then the top 15, 12, 10, eight, and then five, something, yeah. something along those lines. And, um, yeah, with the different t- challenges every week and, you know, working two jobs and auditioning, it became a huge commitment, but one that I'm so glad that I was able to do because yeah. it ended up being such a good learning experience. And we love a learning experience. I'm all we about love the them. lessons, you know? We need them. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, what? Tell me some of the challenges that you had to do. We had to do, um, okay, so we know I love my divas, and I, you know, I I just. No, asp- you really? <laughs> me? I'm, I'm wearing a Liza Minnelli t-shirt. I, yes, the listeners can't see, but he's got a Liza shirt. <laughs> oh, um, I really need to work on my Liza impression, but um, I, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, we had to do a medley one week. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I was like, I'm going to be so smart, so cool. I'm going to go in there with Get Happy, Judy okay. Garland's Get Happy. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to have it arranged with Sing Happy from Floor of the Red Menace. Okay. Made famous by Liza Minnelli. You can find that on my YouTube page. But, <laughs> and I will say it went, it went over well. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't bad. But, you know, after it was over and you're judged in front of the audience every week. Mm-hmm. So there's a full audience. It's like American Idol style and three yeah. or four judges who are like very popular in the New York cabaret world. So okay. that was very intimidating. And the judge that night was, oh my gosh, this very well-known older drag queen in New York City. And okay. I am just, I'm obsessed with him everything and I was so excited that he was judging he was not in drag um but he was there and you know after I got done singing that we had to like contrast that with a with another piece and I sang over the rainbow so I just did a full like Judy set Mm -hmm. you know and obviously as me I'm not imitating Judy I'm not trying to be Judy and his uh, feedback to me in front of everyone was you shouldn't do Judy don't do Judy. And I mean, I went into the, like being like, oh, this is going to be my night. Like, <laughs> this is this is going to be the night I excel at this competition. <laughs> this it is the night not, I actually win this thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It was not. It was not that night. Um, he was, and oh, they were all so nice, but it really was actually, they gave me such good feedback because that was the first time I was like, just because you love Patty, Bernadette, Judy, you cannot enter a, a cabaret space, an audition room, thinking that you can exude the same energy that they do in some of these songs. Right. Because I am not them. Correct. Different songs, different songs may end up doing that for me at some point in my career. Mm-hmm. But as of now, my job is not to be Patty LaPaul. And I needed to hear that when I was, you know, 23. So it really helped going through that because it was very much a, let's pull you back into reality a little bit. And I love them for that. That, and you know, it's so um, true what you're saying about, um, you you cannot, um, what's the word that you used? Project the same energy 
Uh, because obviously a song that Bernadette sings and when I sing it, it's got a different, it means something different to me than what it does to her. You know, and so my interpretation, of course, is different to her. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I completely agree with that assessment. And that is that is great advice. And it's good that you got that advice at the beginning of your career, you know, and right, not when you're right. 50 years in. And they're like, you need to right. stop doing this. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting because I see, you know, I go to when times are normal. You yeah. know, I go to cabaret shows all the time. Mm -hmm. I... You know, I love that. I think it's so important to support young artists like such as myself in spaces that are outside of the audition room or yeah. outside of the show that they're doing. Right. Because even though you may be young and you may not have the the full journey yet, you you know, it's still important. And I see so many people, and especially since getting that feedback that yeah. night, I see so many people trying to sing, you know, um, unexpected song mm. exactly like Bernadette to, to the point where the phrasing is the same and I'm like okay no one phrases like Bernadette so you just can't yes. you have to you have to throw those intentions and goals in there of your own and yes. and I'm so guilty of it don't get me wrong like to this day I'm still like oh no I'm literally just listening to Patty sing this in my head therefore I am just like regurgitating that and you know what call yourself out stop yourself from doing it uh what has been for you the best audition that you've ever had um wow I, did i let me just oh he's checking notes <laughs> I, I have notes um i think the okay the best audition I've ever had for a role that I did not get mm -hmm. was I was auditioning for, and this again was also before I was equity. Um, I was auditioning for Book of Mormon. They had an open call. Um, I, you know, the show is what it is, but um, I know that there was a role for me yeah. in that show. And so I was, you know, I, I was going to be seen that day. They were they were having an open call, not an equity call, just whoever wants to show up. Yeah. And I was like number 395 okay. that day or something insane like that. Like mm -hmm. at the very end of the day. And it was, you know, strictly 16 bars. You know, they didn't have time for all of that, you know. Yeah. So I went in and, I mean, gave them a strong, com strong comedic, 16 bar cut with choices, you know, oh, because okay, yeah. I, I, I love a choice mm -hmm. because in that moment, and again, like I have such a love-hate relationship with auditioning in general, but in that moment, you, you just have to do it. You know, yeah. you just have to, you have to make that choice because everyone in New York city is talented. And when you learn that, when you get here and you see it and you witness it firsthand, it's like, you know, you have to do something to set yourself apart. You could have a completely different look. If you Absolutely. do not do something in that room to mm -hmm. set yourself apart, you will fade away. And I'm not fading, let me tell you. <laughs> so it's important that I do not do that. So I gave them choices. I gave them, you know, maybe too many choices in uh -huh. 16 bars because that's not a long amount of time. Right. But I, um, I gave them a few choices and 
they, I mean, I was, I got a call back the next day. I got an email saying I've got, I've gotten a call back and this was for, um, I don't even know if I should say the name of the show, but I already have, so it doesn't matter. But I didn't know if this was for the first national or for the Broadway company, but then they sent me another email and they were like, after the callback email and they were like, um, would you be willing to relocate to Australia, uh, London, like this list of places. And I yeah. was just like, I was like, I mean, I haven't even gone to the callback yet. So what does that mean? So went to the callback, read some sides with mm -hmm. a reader. He was great. I was really prepared. I mean, like bootlegs are bad. We frowned upon them, but I had done my research. Yeah. And um, I was really, really prepared. And I am not always prepared when I go into the room. But okay. for, for this callback, I was like, you know, it this could be Broadway, this could be a national tour. And here I am, a non-equity actor. Like mm -hmm. I was like, no, I have to, I have to do well. Yeah. So um did that, did the thing, got another callback. Okay. So this is my this is my second callback okay. within, you know, like a two-week period. Went back in, read a different scene had to sing the big, one of his big songs. And I mean, I don't even know what possessed me to do this, but I'm sorry, <laughs> this is like a three part audition story. Not <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, what possessed me to do this, but I was so focused on making the song my own and being so different from everyone else who has played that, which with a property such as Book of Mormon, Wicked, you, you, they're not really looking for a new interpretation. Uh -huh. But in the moment, I like fully not only did I black out but I remember like doing jumping jacks at one point because I was like I, I'm going to do something wild I'm going to I'm going to make big choices because the character is nothing but a big choice okay and I was like doing a jumping jack and I like screamed one of the lines I'm talking like mid-song like fully spazzing out and I, this I did not get another callback but <laughs> As, as I was leaving, and this is why it remains one of my most favorite um, audition experience it, experiences is she, the casting uh, associate was like, that was very interesting. Big choices were made and we appreciate that. And what, uh, like, love what that. What more do you want to hear? And, you know, after she said that, I was like, mm, okay, like, I'm not going to get another call back, at least not this time. Yeah. And maybe this, I'm not, I'm not fully prepared for this role yet. I'm so green. I'm inexperienced. Yeah. Like maybe, you know, it's not my time, but to hear that from a casting associate when all you've ever heard is thank you. Yeah. You know, to hear that, like, they... But, and she, oh my gosh, she is great. I, I love, but to hear that from one of them, to hear that, you know, you made some choices and we appreciate that. How can you leave in a bad mood or leave, you know, feeling down about yourself that you didn't get another job? You know, like it was yeah. actually really refreshing. And I like, so look back on that entire experience that lasted like two and a half weeks with the best memories because also the people you meet you know like mm. the people you read within the room like yeah it was a really really great experience truly I love that um so so you said that was the best audition 
for a job that you didn't get. So what was for the best job. audition for a job that you did get? That was probably um, when I got um, the tour. That I, I was on tour when COVID hit. Yes. Um, devastatingly so. And so the audition was in 2019, the fall of 2019, which just sounds insane to yeah, say that. Yeah, that sounds right like now. 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah, because that was the la my last audition. And it was September of 2019, which is just like, what? <laughs> um, but it was for a company that I had worked with in their office. It was like, so I fully knew mm -hmm. the casting people. I knew, you know, I knew a lot of people who worked there. I knew how their shows worked. I knew how their schedule worked. I knew so much about this company going into the audition yeah. that when I walked into that room, there was absolutely no sense of nerves. There was no, mm. there was absolutely nothing to hold one back. It was the only thing you have to do to get this job is do well in this 45 second audition. Yeah. And it's amazing what you can do when you, when you tell yourself this is the option not options like yeah. you have one option and it is to do this and you will do this yeah and when and you know I went in there I did like I think I sang a very like a cut that I always like it wasn't even that it was a remarkable like like I did so good it definitely wasn't that it was just confidence like I just mm -hmm. went in there and I was like you have to be confident. You have to show them. Like, I've worked with you all. You all know who I am. Please give me this job. I need it. Yeah. And I walked out of that room and my roommate was with me. And when she was done, um, she's an actor as well. We went to the audition together. Uh -huh. And when she, I mean, I remember leaving and telling her, I was like, I got it. Like, I got yeah. it. I've, I've heard no so many times. I've heard um you know, thank you so many times. I've walked out of so many auditions thinking there's no way in hell they're going to call me back. And when I walked out of there, I was like, I have it. Like, I've got it. Yeah. We're good to go. <laughs> and what a great feeling, you know? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> the best. It's almost like a validation of the work that you've done. Right. Yeah. And Absolutely. I love that. Well, and it's also, you know, that, that confidence of, you know, again, you may not be singing the most, you know, impressive, you know, musical theater piece you've ever performed. It may not be the absolute apex of the history of musical theater, mm -hmm. but if you just go in there with, for me that day specifically, going in there and just telling yourself, like, there is not another option because that's the show that gave me my equity card. That's the show that finally got me in this union that I've been working for years to get into. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I knew that I had to have that job at that specific point in time. Yes. And it, as things do when they are supposed to, it just worked out. I love that you said that because, and I know the people who listen to every episode of this podcast will 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 know exactly what I'm about to say because I say it every every episode I am such a big believer in what is meant for you will find you in the right time do you know what I mean so absolutely um if you know if you could audition for Wicked today and not get it but that's just because you are not Wicked is not 
on your journey right now. You could get it three years from now. Right. You know, um, what is for you will find you at the right time. Absolutely. And, and you know, to piggyback off of that, being a character actor in New York City specifically, and I mean, I know I love my character actors around the world. I know that character act, we have it rough sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say sometimes we have it easier, but sometimes, you know, it's a little harder. And being in a city where, you know, theater is solely commercial now. There's so little theater, big theater that happens just for the art of it, mm -hmm. you know, just mm -hmm. for artistic purposes. Yeah. Um, that's why we love Off-Broadway because thank God for them. Uh -huh. But, you know, so many of these auditions, especially these Broadway auditions, it, it's, I feel like as a character actor and, you know, I've talked to, I have so many are my friends, but I talked to so many male, female, it doesn't matter what, you know, what type of character actor you are. You almost, I feel like sometimes learn that lesson a lot earlier than per se, like a 5'10 chorus girl, you know, yes. because we really, we character actors know there, there could be 30 roles in a show. Mm -hmm. 25 of them are for chorus ensemble yeah. you have to be a strong dancer and I not that I can't move I can move but 25 have to be this height this weight fit into the costume and mm -hmm. be able to dance really dance okay the other four are principles so you have to have that leading lady leading man very typical you know I know we're yeah. knocking down the patriarchy right now so that will soon end but that look and then out of that leaves one role okay and that mm -hmm. one role is a character actor you know, and I can't help but think that the prom, which was yes. on Broadway and now a major motion picture hit. Um, but, you know, you had this cast of powerhouse young ensemble members who were kicking yes. up to their faces. And then you had this dazzling group of Broadway veteran leads. Uh -huh. And then you had, uh, what was his name? Brooks. Brooks, who played Barry. Beth, who played uh, Dee Dee, and uh, Josh Lehman, who has audition coached me in the past, playing Sheldon, the publicist. Yes. And that was like the one character role. Now, now obviously, Dee Dee and Barry are such character roles. Mm -hmm. But as a, being a little younger, you know, I was like, I see myself in one role currently that I could play at this age. Yeah. And he's right there I see him okay yes. great and you know again it's one of those maybe it'll take a little longer maybe you can work when you're 25 never work and then work when you're 55 maybe you have to go through 30 years of unemployment but following please so God, many no. <laughs> At that point, Please, you know. God, at that point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but seeing seeing character actors in the city who just break out like Bonnie Milligan recently in Head Over Heels and all the things that she was doing to see her kind of go on this journey, and I'm like, oh God, she's like such an incredible talent. And people like Josh Lehman and uh -huh. um, you know. Or Danny Bernstein, who is an incredible character actor, who is, you know, maybe not, you know, the typical character actor, but look at the roles he's done. He's been yes. in like 17 Broadway shows. So diverse. And, 
And yes, and every time I've seen him on stage, which has been quite often in the last few years, I'm like, oh, what a great role. And not even that the role is the best, but look what he's doing with the role. Yes. You know, and that is so, it's so rewarding to see other character actors go through their own character actor journey, knowing that we all have to come to this realization that we may not, we may have had to wait till we were 40, but when we got this role, we were good. And we worked after that, you know, because it just wasn't meant to be when we were 25. Absolutely. And um, I think that when you sort of make peace with that fact, um, I think everything, there's less pressure on yourself to be a certain way. And I think it's, I think it's when you know who you are. So when you know who you are, then I think, um, I think navigating this industry is, is easier. Absolutely. I I mean, I so, I so agree with that. And, you know, it's funny because the advice that you always get in master classes, you know, Mm -hmm. voice lessons, studio workshop, all of them, you always get the advice to be yourself. And I think, especially for younger actors who maybe are just moving to the city, it's really easy to listen to that over and over and over again. Just, mm-hmm. oh, well, you just have to be yourself. Go into the room and just be yourself. Well, at, at some point, one has to think, well, what is myself? Yeah. How, how does one just act like themselves? Like, how do you bring yourself into the room? And I think the conversation around this is very interesting because you hear that trope, that old trope, you know, be yourself and you'll, you'll go as far as you want to go in life. Yeah. But, you know, once you take a step back and really look at it, it's like, no, like, what are the very specific things I have that the other 30 people up for this role do not have? Mm -hmm. And how can I bring that to the forefront of this 25 second audition? Yes. You know, I was Mm -hmm. in, I was in uh, one of the, uh, not, multiple there weren't multiple rounds but I was in an audition for a tour five years ago maybe and I got to the point where I was maybe the fifth person outside the door Mm -hmm. and the monitor came out of the audition room and said okay we're cutting it down to eight bars eight bars only no more only eight bars so sing your best eight bars so eight, (laughs) eight bars can be anywhere from what up 12 to 18 seconds of singing so it's like do you go in there and you just sustain one note for eight bars like what is the best way to do that and especially how you know when thinking about everything that I've just said okay I have this one or two these one or two things in my little toolbox that I do very well okay how do you pull that out in eight bars sometimes you just can't (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and it happens and you know sometimes again we fail or we succeed it's either one or one or the other (laughs) Just, um, we got to embrace all of it, the good and the bad. Absolutely. And speaking of the bad, what has been the worst audition that you've had? Um, <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> oh, wow. You know, I have a lot to say, you know, especially when you're young and you are, you know, younger younger than me you know we're so young Taryn you and I yeah um 
when you're younger than us. Um, and you know, you move to New York and you know, you go out and you stay out till like four in the morning mm -hmm. and then you try to sing at an audition at 8 a.m. It's not always going to work out. Yeah. Um, I did, I, and there have been so many of those. That's why I haven't worked very much in the city. I'm just kidding. Um, no, there are, there were so many of those when I first moved here. Just, I mean, just how do you even count the amount of auditions where you, even if it's just one word, if you crack, if you miss, like mess up a lyric, flub a line, you know, yes. all of that happens. But I think the worst, okay, so I was a, I studied voice in college. I, right. I took lessons with a classical, to learn classical voice. Like I wanted to sing opera. Okay. And like, cause I knew I had a big voice and I knew I could hit the notes. I just didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so while I was, you know, a public relations major and a theater major, that's where I, my, uh, I, I, what are words? Um, <laughs> He's run out of English, everybody. <laughs> right, about time. Um, even though that's where I was studying because I double majored, I um, always took classical voice lessons from start to finish in college. Okay. And um, so there was a lot of classical rep that I had to learn mm -hmm. going through four years of uh, classical training. Sure. And, you know, the foreign language pieces, I wasn't always great with them, but I, I did the work as best I could at the time and tried to do the thing. Yeah. And so I was, I think it was my second or third year in New York and there was an opera company. It wasn't the Met or anything like that, yeah. but a, a smaller, more regional New York city based opera company okay. that was having auditions. And I was like, Oh, opera, I got this. And they were doing like Gilbert and Sullivan. So mm, think, we love. think Pirates of Penzance, HMS Pinafore. And, and my college voice professor was upset. We did nothing but Gilbert and Sullivan in the music department in college, in the mm -hmm. opera department. And so, I mean, that was all old hat. I had sung it all. I had done it all. Yeah. I was like, I've got Gilbert and Sullivan down. Like, because it's really more operetta. Yeah. So, you know, it's more the musical theater side of opera. Right. Correct. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not out here singing, you know, uh, Aida or, you know, yeah. any of that stuff, which I can really no longer do. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I went to this audition and they were just, they were looking for, I guess someone had dropped out of the show. They were looking for one role and that one role was not my type, which type is a whole, that's a whole other podcast oh, talking about Let type. me tell you. <laughs> uh, I'm all the types. Let me just make that very clear. Um, but um, uh, it was, they were not looking for my type and that's fine. Like I'm not upset about it, but I yeah. am going to make an audition uh, appointment and I'm going to show up. Yeah. And so, you know, I was like, okay, I'll just bring in this, you know, piece. I've, I've sang it before. I've sung it before. I, I, I'm pretty sure I still know it. Well, cut to me sitting outside the audition room when there were only three people in front of me scrolling through this music in a state of panic because I did not know this song like I thought I did. Oh. And it was, it was the song required for the audition. <laughs> and, you know, this is, this is a lesson, kids, <laughs> that <laughs> preparation is key. And again, you can be not saying I am at all, but you can be so talented and you could be auditioning for a role that you played in college or a high school or regionally. 
um, on a bigger level and go into that audition and not remember a thing. Yeah. And that's pretty much what happened. There was a lot of, I had not properly warmed up, which I almost never do, especially now, but I not only cracked a lot, mm-hmm. it was just, my voice had been so in musical theater world for so long yes. that just trying to, oh, I'll switch to my opera voice did yes. not work. Yeah, because it's, it is two completely different completely. Uh, genres, of course, but also it requires um, very different things from the voice. Absolutely. And it, you know, not even that. And again, it's not that this is something that I'm unaware of. It's not like this is something that I just did not know. Yeah. It was that, oh, well, you know, I've done it. So I can do it right, right here, right now in this moment. And it wasn't good. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because how do you look at the people behind the table and the accompanist after you completely mess up? Yeah. After you completely flub through flub your way through this like very famous piece of music and uh-huh. you do really really poorly um how do you look at them all and, be, and act like you still want the job like how do you how do you look back at the table and be like oh, all right we'll have a great day thank you you know no it's just like bye because the look on all three I think there were three of them the looks on their faces were all like why you know they were all just kind of like there was confused bewilderment and again it's it's not like I went in there just not no not you know not ever have heard the show not ever having heard the show before but I was not prepared at all and I left feeling really bad about myself because it wasn't only that I wasn't prepared it was that what's going to happen next time you want to audition for this company yeah and you know they they've seen since then thousands of people but what if the one person in that room is the Mm. one person who is in the room next time what if they're the same person and they remember so it's like in a city and an industry so tiny and so like so small how do you you know how do you walk away thinking oh well good thing I'll never have to sing for them again like right no that's never going to happen yeah it was bad it was real bad Okay, so you've spoken about, you know, not being prepared. Um, what is your audition prep strategy, routine? Um, you know, how do you prepare for an audition? Right. Okay, so um, things that I've, that I do now that I have learned you, you must do. Mm-hmm. Um, know the show. Correct. Um, and uh, this may be, this may conflict with what other performers, industry people have say and think, but I honestly think if you, if there is not one role in a show that is for you, not one role, if there is, which I know things are changing now, casting, the way shows are being cast so much more in so much more a diverse way now, which is wonderful. Thank God we are finally moving that. Like, I want to see a fat Julie Jordan and I want to see her now, you Uh know, like, Uh please. Uh So we're moving there. We're getting there. So this advice maybe not last, may not be forever, but, or this anecdote, but, you know, you go to so many auditions living in New York City, auditioning, you, you go to so many. And honestly, if 
the show is not right for you, don't go because you're going to be taking up someone else's spot. And again, the right person will be seen, the right person will be cast. But if you're going, like the amount of times I've been to a Book of Mormon audition and there have been white girls in line, when it's the breakdown specifically says, you know, we are seeking African-American males, females, white males. Yeah. Like, is that really fair? Should the show maybe be a little different? That's not my call. Like, I can't, I can't say what uh-huh. I, you know, think. I didn't write it. Right. But, you know, know, know your place in a show before mm-hmm. going to the audition. Right. Like, I, I'm not trying to go to Hamilton auditions and, like, I, do I want to play King George? Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. dream role. But until they run out of stars to cast in that role, yeah. I'm not going to sit all day and take up the place of a young African-American African American, Latinx performer who could be in my spot, right. you know, if I'm going to be there all day. Like, so yeah. <laughs> part of preparing for an audition is just knowing what audition to go to. Yeah. I have friends who go to every single audition and good for them, mm-hmm. but I'm not doing that <laughs> because I'm old. Do, um, <laughs> do you know, it's I, uh, the same, the same thing with me. I, um, and again, it's about knowing, knowing your strengths and knowing knowing who you are as a performer and you know when we when we're fresh out of college we we think that we know who we are as performers and you don't really and so when you're out of college um oh I'm like stumbling of my words when you're out of college you're like at every audition you know but right the, the older that I get, the more I know what my strengths are. I know what my weaknesses are. And I always use this, use this as an example. I would never audition for cats because that does not pay, play to my strengths. And that, that is right. a disservice to myself. You know, and like you said, I'm taking up the space of someone who, who is, you know, qualified enough to be in that show. Right. And it's also a waste of your time. Right. You know, it's like as, as a performer, like, yes, I'm, tr- I'm trying to be a full-time performer, but when things are normal, like I would probably work, probably be working two jobs right now along with auditioning. And since I've been in New York for a few years and I've really gone through the audition season so many times at this point, it's like, I, I, I'm not going to go to that audition because I don't have time for that audition. And that whole attitude of, I must go to everything, I must be seen by everyone, that's great for some people. And for some, it actually works. Yeah. But also being a character tenor, and again, it's just like going to a Wicked audition. Like they used to cast characters as, or character actors, like Bach was always a character actor. Uh-huh. And now Bach is not. That's changed over the years. And he's really not as much of a, you know, quirky character tenor yeah, as he used to be. So, you know, it's also like, you know what, if it's between like taking note of my mental health and checking out and going to read a book in a park or sitting all day for 12 hours, not to be seen at this wicked audition, maybe pick the other option. Yeah. Maybe read the book. You know? Yeah. But yeah, knowing, um, knowing the show, knowing the role, knowing any role in the show you think you could play, but really knowing the material because also, yeah. and you know, it should be, for most 
musical theater performers or theater performers in general, you should know, like, if you have to prepare a song, that it should be in the style of the show, you know, all of that stuff. Have your base, have a, have a, have an audition book with six songs in it, you know, don't have a, don't have 25 songs in your audition book. You will have a panic attack when you're in, (laughs) when you're in the holding room trying to change your song. If you only bring two, you can only sing one or the other. Yeah. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's just what you have to do but also and I I I have like terrible acid reflux but you really have to be mindful of what you are doing before that audition because if you have an appointment for two o'clock or if you go at 8 a.m and you know you're probably not going to be seen until five you can't go like have three slices of pizza or Mm -hmm. if you're at Pearl Studios you can't go to the Taco Bell Cantina right before you sing you know you you just can't do that and especially as you know as you start making your rounds through audition season after audition season you're like oh no there are things that I am not doing anymore because they're not good for my voice or my body in this moment in time and I cannot do that you know you, you can't risk you know hanging with friends and downing a margarita yeah. five minutes before you have to sing phantom of the opera correct you know um some very good points were made there um tell me how do you deal with the rejection um that's a great question honestly and, and again, I've only been here, I've only truly been in New York for four years. I was here the summer before I graduated college, but I've only lived here for four years. So mm-hmm. I'm still new in comparison to so many others. Yeah. But honestly, when you get here and you start going through, and it's always audition season, it's not just January through April, it is year round. There is always an audition somewhere. Yeah. You know, and truthfully there is no easy way to handle it especially when i like it okay for example it is no secret that i want to be in phantom of the opera so bad Mm -hmm. because i know i have the voice for that show and i know there are roles in the show i could play Mm -hmm. and i was in the show in college we were fortunate enough to be able to do it which is wild but you know i have been i have been seen for that show so many times i've been called back for that show so many times knowing that if it's right for you, it will be right for you. If not, it's not. But, you know, when you, when you start really auditioning, when you really start pounding the pavement and you hear no, 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 no. Once, twice, three, four times a week. Or my favorite, which is nothing. Yeah. Hearing absolutely nothing. Uh I will actually say on a, not a random note, this is related. I had an audition right around the time of my last audition in the city in 2019 and I got an email back from the company that said that thanked me for coming in Mm -hmm. and then told me that they were going to go in another direction that they would not be hiring me Mm -hmm. so pretty much a no and I will say maybe it was because I had been in the city for years but it was one of the nicest emails I have ever gotten because it actually said no And so much of our time as actors are, again, so it's not even the rejection that personally gets me. It's the never hearing anything. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you just, did you put my resume in a special folder that you will 
open one day when you need to cast someone else Mm -hmm. or did you throw it in the trash? Mm -hmm. So like, what is a maybe one day and what is a no? And so I will say to go back, I think hearing the no's now is a lot easier. Yes. Because you know that the answer is no. Yeah. And so it's almost refreshing at this point. And again, you know, actors are treated terribly because actors don't stand up for ourselves like we should. We're learning, we're doing better, we're getting there. Um, again, why I love Miss Patty Lapone because she just doesn't let it happen and maybe not always in the right way, but you're not going to run over her. Mm-hmm. And I, I admire that because we do it. And I'm so guilty of this as an actor. We let these people run over us mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really frustrating directors casting associates you know even you know stage managers who are like with us on you know sometimes people just and I'm not even going to say like abuse power I don't think it's always that but sometimes it's just the no I can't do this right now or no this is what I need and then you're like instantly blacklisted or something and I'm like no 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 no. we have to stand up for ourselves we just have to Sorry, long random rant, but <laughs> but but hearing that no is so much easier, I think, now than the maybes. But also, you have to accept the maybe as rejection. So you know, again, if it's not going to affect you in five years, don't spend five days being sad about it. You know, right. spend five minutes or an hour max. <laughs> go yeah. get a drink. Go have a treat. Whatever your treat may be call your mom, your best friend, pet your cat, whatever you want to do to like bring yourself a sense of peace. But truly trying to remember also that this isn't brain surgery. Right. We are not curing cancer. And look, the arts, musical theater in particular is the most important thing in my life. Like I'm, I really am that theater person. Like it is mm-hmm. what I live and eat and breathe. And right, that is right. annoying to people sometimes. And that's okay. Yeah. Because I'm not going to, I'm too old to change now. So yeah. we're not trying to change. But it's it's um, knowing that, that that's who you are. That's what you are. While also remembering that it's not curing cancer. Like the world will keep spinning and, oh my gosh, I hate to even say this, but you know, for the last year since COVID, Broadway's been dark and as Candor and Ebb wrote, the world goes round because Mm -hmm. it does. And while my personal world has stopped along with the personal world's lives of all of these performers, stage managers, crew, ushers, All of these people, yes, our worlds have stopped, but the world does go round, Uh you know? So I think we do have to take a step back sometimes and realize it's not that deep. Like you did not get this role and in the moment it's devastating. But again, if it's not going to affect the trajectory of life, you cannot sink into a hole over hearing no No. Mm -hmm. or you will never, you'll never be able to grow from that. You'll never be able to yeah. go to the next audition without panicking. Is it going to be a no? Yeah. Because and if you enter an audition with that in your head, it will be a no. Yeah. And also most of the time, the no 
is not a reflection on your abilities. It's never. It's that almost never. Yeah, you know, it's that there. There's another direction they want to go in. Do you know what I mean? And you know, if you're meant to be in the show, you will be in the show when it's your time. You will be in a show. Um, Absolutely. And And it may be. You know what? The girl who is playing the role you want is just way thinner than you and you can't fit into the costume, but you may act your way in, you may act circles around this girl. Mm -hmm. You may sing circles around this girl. That is wonderful for you because that means you'll go somewhere. But, you know, all you can do when that thinner girl who is just as talented gets a role is not saying you have to sit there and applaud them, but you know what? In your mind, you have to let it go. Let it yeah. go. Give give them the role. Give he, she, they, them. Give them the role. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. And that's something. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn in this industry. Not even Absolutely. the 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 no. You. It's not your time, which is really something to learn. But yeah. but no, you did not get this role based on not one thing you did. Mm-hmm. You know. Again, you can be the most talented person and that is just not enough sometimes. Yeah. That's hard. That's a really hard, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it a wake up call because you don't want to realize it. But when you realize it, it's just like, oh God, like, no, this industry is who you know. That's it. <laughs> um, what has, what is the best audition advice that you have ever received? Um, well, this goes along with being yourself Mm -hmm. because we all hear that. We all know that. Okay. You know, but (laughs) this is actually silly, but the best audition advice I got from an, from an audition coach once was don't go in there trying to look like everybody else, Mm -hmm. which sounds a little frivolous, maybe a little shallow, but like, you know, it cracks me up that there's this like, Un, and again, I'm speaking toxic New York City Broadway audition culture, not necessarily worldwide or anything like that. Because, you know, I know in places, even places in America, it can be a lot better than, you know, New York. But it's this toxic culture of like, that chorus girl is going to get the job because she's wearing those new Lululemon leggings. Mm-hmm. Like thinking, and I can't even think about it too much or I will become very angry but just thinking that that could be a possibility is infuriating so I was told one time just wear what you want to wear look how you want to look go in there with the brightest boldest you know belt with flowers on it and stilettos if you can rock the look and look good in the look Mm -hmm. just look how you look don't go in there trying to make yourself look thinner Don't go in there trying to make yourself look, you know, okay, this goes back to the hills thing, but you know, don't go in there trying to make yourself look like you're 6'5", if they're looking for someone 6'5", if you're 5'5", like I am, you know, that's, it's just, so that all goes back to being yourself, but look how you look, you know, wear what you, what you feel the, the most confident in, wear something that, I mean, obviously this is all within reason because- we actors can get a little outrageous, you know, <laughs> not saying go in there wearing a full like purple wig, but you know, don't, don't let those silly little audition rules that are unspoken and don't matter at all. Don't yeah. let those 
get in your wavelength at all because mm-hmm. that's not worth it. That's all so superficial and it's hard enough to get cast. Don't let it be something like that that stops you from being confident when you go into the room yeah. because what's the point? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, and I think the uh, people on the panel they they also want to see they don't also want you to come in there looking exactly like the role you're going for because they want to see you right they want to they want to see a bit of who you are you know um, I, you know i i wonder how many <laughs> i wonder how many times the casting people the casting team from wicked see girls come in wearing green yeah. you know i wonder and again i'm not saying that that's a a bad thing like if you mm-hmm. feel like you rock that green and you want to be the wicked witch you How come in you? looking like that but i truly wonder like if at a certain point they're just like oh enough of the green you yeah. know like i just i wonder that I think it's that like that scene cool. in in smash you know when they're casting for bombshell and all the girls are coming in there looking like marilyn and then Catherine yep. McPhee walks in and you know she's got no blonde wig on and she's right. just in this like simple pretty dress um right. and that's that's her authentic self do you know what i mean exactly yeah and she must have done something right because look how far she got yeah correct <laughs> <laughs> um megan i i just love chatting to you and you know i could chat to you for hours and hours and hours um mm. so i always ask my guests um two questions at the end so I always feel like we've done the work. So now we're going to okay. have a little happy hour. Um, okay, I love that. Um, and the first question is, who in, like, and I, I, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Who, okay. in your opinion, <laughs> was so perfectly cast in a role that if they redid it 45 million times uh, for the rest of eternity it would never be as good as that person in that role and also this can apply to film and television as well as to the theater okay oh god um (laughs) okay (laughs) i'm gonna be basic can i have choices can there be choices? What's the first one that came to your mind? Okay, first one that came to my head, Judy Garland is Dorothy. Oh, see you. It's a movie. I know who it's it is. A... I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I was, I was doing <laughs> movie versus musical. It's, hey, Taryn, have you ever heard of The Wizard of Oz? So it came out in 1939. <laughs> oh, okay. I was only like seven when that, when it came out. <laughs> I was five. Um, Anyway, uh, no, okay, because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. You truly can never, like, in any stage production of The Wizard of Oz, why? It's not even worth it. (laughs) Like, like, how can, how, how, how can anyone, in in that particular version of the story, like, there are adaptations, and like, like, The Wiz is completely different. Give me The Wiz all day long. But it's better written also. But, um, you know, like, we don't want to see anybody else in that role. It's just yeah. the truth. Um, 
the first musical theater thing that came to my, my mind, obviously, is, um, oof. well, they're all of, okay. Um, no, you can have it, one. No, because I see your, your mind is running away. Okay, okay, okay. Um, this, this shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> okay, it, oh, it shouldn't be, but you know me. Um, I would say Patty and Evita. Oh, I for sure thought you were going to say thought, Gypsy. Gypsy, yeah. I'm not going to say Gypsy as I want to very badly. And I will say I do not always vote for Patty in the polls, but... Oh, and the um, roses and daffodils? I cannot discuss that right now. That I know, I know you can I'm so um, sorry. I, I cannot. Um, but I think Patty's performance in Gypsy, iconic, incredible, one of my favorites of all time. Mm -hmm. But I, I would still like to see other people play that role. And I think... Yeah, like me. <laughs> yes, like we. And... Um, <laughs> At dinner theater in, <laughs> in Minnesota. In dinner theater. Oh my God, we're doing it on Broadway. <laughs> right. I'll be your I'll be your Donna Murphy. I'll do Tuesdays. <laughs> Perfect. Done. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, there are so many other people I want to see play the role. Mm -hmm. I think we will see other people play it many times. Oh, in our in our long lives, and okay. um, so I don't think I can I don't think I can say that role but uh -huh. I do not want anyone else to play Ava Perron ever and I will say I think and I know that Broadway Twitter has said it many times but I think there should be a concert where Patty and Mandy Patinkin do it one night like do Evita sing the score again original keys they can both do it original keys original keys and so I think Evita I think that's the one mm -hmm. I mean, I'll take, so I mean I, I take it. I mean, I take it. I'll take it. Okay. I will take it. And the second question is, if you could play any role, male or female, <laughs> which role would it be? I think your eyes just popped out of your head. <laughs> just one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm only, I'm only going to do one. Okay. Uh, because I want to play... A million and five different famous Broadway diva roles. Mm -hmm. But the one role that I really must play before I go is um, Alban slash Zaza in Lacage. Mm. I must play that role. I must play that role. Oh, you yeah, would. And I, it, it, it may be typical, you but would I, must, I must play that role. In that role. I just. Thank you, Taryn. I will right. play. I'll I'll be headlining Lacage at the Imperial, and you can be at the Music Box doing Gypsy. And uh, that would Gypsy be at the Music Box. <laughs> okay. Anyone who's listening, I would do it at the Schubert. <laughs> anyone who's listening, I apologize to all theater people everywhere. I apologize to future me. Um, Gypsy should never be at the Music Box. <laughs> Schubert. Oh, the Winter Garden. Oh, you can yeah. do a Winter Garden. But we're going to do Follies at the Winter Garden. You and me. Two-man show. All right. <laughs> full, show, full show. We're going to play all the roles. All the roles. I don't know how we're going to do the mirror number. We're going to need lots of mirrors. It's, it's, we're going to make it happen. You and I will be yeah. in our 70s at the Winter Garden doing Follies. Cannot wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, 
okay. sold out houses. So that is a great the, the, that is a great role for you. The one you just um, that is we must we must put it out there now. It must happen. I'm, I'm, I have it been manifesting, manifest and I will say I did not grow up knowing the show. I do, I do not come from theater people. I did not come from a theater family. Neither do or, I. I, I found it family. on my own by accident right. when I watched Hey Mr. Producer at age five. Oh, well, what, I mean, what more is there? That is mm -hmm. a fabulous concert. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I didn't know Lacage until honestly about five years ago. Oh, which I didn't know. I didn't, I, I had heard of it, but it wasn't until I think I was in college when um, I had a friend who was doing a song from there, uh, Little More Mascara, is that what it's called? Yes. So yes. he was doing that. Um, great and song. I was just like, this is great. And yeah. I, kind of I mean, Jerry Herman. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's a wonderful production on YouTube with Leroy Reams. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. And he's just fab. It's a fabulous show. It's such a good show. It I want to see it revived a hundred times, mm -hmm. but I would love to in some production somewhere. I don't care where I want to play the role. So that's my answer. I will take it. <laughs> Megan Prickett, thank you so, so, so much. Oh, this is Aaron, so thank you. Thank you for asking me. This was a blast. Oh, this was, I, I laughed so much. I had to clear my throat like a few times. Um, so before I let you go, please tell all these listeners, and I can say all because it's not just my mother anymore. There's like actual people <gasps> listening. This is like a Obsessed. big deal. For me. Well, um, my mother will be listening to this episode. Fantastic. So. <laughs> um, Will you please tell everyone how they can keep up to date with you on social media? Um, you know, we want to know when we can see you on stage. You know, just, you know, when you're, when you're in the Phantom of the Opera, let me know. You know, oh. <laughs> tell us. Tell us how we can find you. Okay, so you can follow me on in Instagram and Twitter. The okay. Twitter okay. at, at <laughs> Mr. Macon Prickett. That's M-R, not m-i-s-t-e-r um i post about broadway divas and nothing else and you can look me up on youtube at macon prickett mm -hmm. or my website which is www.makinwprickett.com excellent uh you can keep up to date with the podcast we are on instagram as well at hope i get it pod and then i have my own instagram at taryn stain um, Megan, once again, thank you for joining me. This was fantastic. I hope that you all enjoyed listening to Megan's stories. Um, they are legendary stories. <laughs> um, and uh, that you will heed his words of advice. Um, and that I hope you will join us again for another episode next week of I Hope I Get It. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Thank you to our sponsors, 5013Kiara. Don't forget to use the code THANKYOU13 for 30% off your next purchase on the 5013Kiara Etsy store. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at HopeIGetItPod or on Twitter at HopeIGetItPod1. Thank you so much, and I hope that you will join us next week for another episode of I Hope I Get It.